I'm Angela Ross, and this is SoCal Voices. As Black History Month 2024 gets underway in Southern California, the Riverside Philharmonic will present two special pieces in a performance on February 24th, Negro Folk Symphony by the late African-American composer William Dawson and Concerto Cinematique by Los Angeles composer and violinist Chris Woods. In this episode of SoCal Voices, Chris shares his perspective on a range of topics, including his journey with the violin, how classical and jazz music inform his creative expression, the importance of practicing, and his experience composing Concerto Cinematique. Chris Woods, welcome to SoCal Voices. Thank you. Thinking back on your childhood, what's the earliest memory you have of music? Wow, okay, starting with a deep one. My earliest memory, I mean, my parents are both musicians, so they were playing music while I was floating in the womb. I don't necessarily remember that, but I know that was a thing that happened. My dad is a pianist, so... They told me, and I have some vague recollection of this, that as a baby, I would actually, I think this is safe, but I would lay under his grand piano while he was practicing and just listen. I just imagine just like notes going inside of me, like sort of like like penetrating my soul in a way, just sort of like this dance of light and music. And so music's always been a really big part of my life. My mom is a violinist and violist. She had at one point 60 students. So every time I'd come home from school, I'd hear varying levels of, of uh, niceness coming from her uh, teaching studio. So I was always hearing music, always hearing her teach. My dad was a conductor of an orchestra, a local orchestra. I'm from a small town in South Carolina, Florence, South Carolina. And uh, that's just been my thing for forever. Uh, there were times where I was like, should I be doing something else? <laughs> but <laughs> it's just like I learned music before I learned how to talk in terms of just hearing it all the time. And I think that had a big influence on how my brain developed and mm -hmm. what I felt like my identity was. And it's just what I've always naturally been drawn to do. And I was talented at it. So that was the thing I just went with. That's wonderful. You come by it honest. That's it. It's, it's like <laughs> yeah. your first language in a way. So yeah. when did you pick up the violin specifically and realize that that was the instrument for you? Yeah, well, my parents started me on violin when I was four years old. When you're that little, you start on like, it looks like a Christmas tree ornament sized violin. And it's got, you put stickers on it so you know where to put your fingers. And, and you just sort of start with the basics. I started with the Suzuki method, which is this Japanese uh, method of teaching violin and other stringed instruments. And I think they expand to all the instruments at this point but you start with book one playing twinkle twinkle and then you kind of go up into playing concertos and stuff like that as you get into the higher levels it's a weird thing about identity like 
because I've I've met musicians that didn't start until later in life, and they had to like fight their parents to become a musician. Mm-hmm. You know, the music the the dad is a doctor or the mom's a lawyer or whatever, and they they had to have that moment where I want to be a musician, you know, and they're like, why? But I didn't have to deal with that. But at the same time, I, I sort of never quite was sure like where um, my parents' decision of me playing and and my decision sort of blurred together but i feel like when i really really started realizing that i really loved the violin was when i was in high school i went for 10th and or 11th and 12th grade i went to the north carolina school of the arts Mm -hmm. and that was a huge uh sort of breakthrough for me because i was around a lot of talented people and and that's where I really started to develop uh, uh, my work ethic and and practicing a lot. And and that's where I really like I had a great teacher. His name was uh, Kevin Lawrence. He still teaches there. And I just really loved I, I was just like, wow, I, this I think that was really the time I must have been like 15 or 16 where I just really was loving music i was loving practice and and i loved it before then too but it was like i was more conscious yeah. of it now yeah. as a child i felt like it was just a part of my life mm-hmm. and then as i got older into my teenage years i realized oh this is actually like such a powerful art form and because you really feel it and and that is i think what i really fell in love with because i had some opportunities when I was young to perform and really feel that energy being on stage like there's nervousness and stuff but also there's like if you can kind of get past that part there's an amazing chance to communicate I mean like your podcast is called SoCal Voices just like to have your voice heard and go into the audience and hear their response and feel their energy I I was able to experience that at a pretty young age and that kind of as I developed as a musician and developed as a performer that became a big part of that sort of thrust of motivation to want me to keep doing it and keep exploring those avenues and then as I got older I started exploring more composing improvising playing jazz which is like <laughs> of classical musicians learn how to improvise or play jazz. And to me, that sort of unlocked everything because Mm. in playing jazz, I was able to honor, you know, the tradition of black musicians throughout uh, American history and and really deepen my horizons and my understanding of music and culture in the music. and, And why was that important to you? Why did you want to delve deeper? Different reasons. One, I heard some great improvisers and I was just like, I need to know how to do this. (laughs) Like, this is amazing. I just wanted to be a better musician. Two was the heritage aspect because uh, most classical music is it's like 99 percent, you know, European male white composers is the music that you're playing and so a big component of me exploring jazz was exploring my heritage exploring that voice that aspect of music that that celebrates that you're so well-rounded 
with the classical training and with your appreciation and understanding of improvisation with jazz. Those are two very powerful elements that come together in your creative journey. I want to ask you about a conversation that I had with a a K through 12 music teacher recently, who Mm -hmm. was a little bit frustrated because they were having some difficulty getting some of their best and most talented students to understand the difference between practicing and Mm -hmm. rehearsal. In your role as a professional musician and composer, define the difference between those two things. What's the difference between practice and rehearsal? Yeah, I can see that teacher being frustrated. (laughs) My answer to that for a student that, if you wanna get better at the instrument, you have to practice. Mm -hmm. If you show up to a rehearsal and you just are kind of winging it and playing along and trying to learn everything in a group setting, you can still learn that way, but you're not going to learn nearly as quickly. If you want to practice, you have to put in the time, you have to put in the hard work. And I think the more fun you can make it, the better. There's two ways to make it fun. One, kind of like gamify the whole experience by like giving yourself rewards and things like that, or playing music that you enjoy, like play your favorite, you know, pop tune or or whatever you listen to, try to find an arrangement of that you can play. That's one way to make it fun. Another way that I think is actually better is learn to enjoy the hard work, like learn to actually enjoy the feeling of getting frustrated because you can't do something and then letting that frustration like the scientists have shown that when you get frustrated that leads to neuroplasticity so when you're working on a piece of music it's a great opportunity to literally change the wiring in your brain to enhance your memory enhance you know a lot of people say music being working on music is great for math and things like that And then I'll tell them, well, actually, I think math is good for working on music because I feel like they're using music as a way to just they're justifying music in order to be a better math student. Sometimes it feels like that. Mm -hmm. But going back to the practice, what I recommend to a student, first of all, they have to get on board that practice is actually a good thing. If 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 they don't believe that, then and there are some students that just don't practice. Mm -hmm. So you need to either practice or kind of just realize you're not going to be great. Sometimes they'll be like, yeah, I don't want to practice. And then, you know, that's that's a struggle as a teacher. At that point, do you just say, well, I don't know if you should really be in this class or or do I work with you? And just because you're there, that kind of thing. So that's a struggle that teachers always have. But for the, the student that does realize that there could be something to practice and believes in that, I would say get like a 30-minute chunk in every day, practice your scales, practice the basics, because you've got to really master the instrument. And the way to master it is starting with the basics and reviewing the basics throughout your whole process. Practice scales, understand harmony, understand rhythm. Like, what do they mean? And we have YouTube, which is such an amazing resource now. You can learn anything you want about music. You've got to put in the time to really develop uh, the muscle memory. I mean, I heard somewhere that muscle memory isn't 
necessarily the muscles remembering things it's all in your brain but like just getting your fingers to know exactly where the notes are to play in tune to get a good sound especially with a stringed instrument the hardest mm -hmm. thing is to get it to not sound like some screeching kind of demon you know you've got to really you've got to really put the time in and you've got to really i think on some level love it you've got to really love what you're doing You've yeah, gotta it's got to be your your passion. It's got to yeah. be something that you're it, it's a mild, maybe a somewhat mild form of obsession because that's what makes right. you great. You know, that's the the thing that gives it the juice. Yeah, and, and when a when a student says a question like that, mm -hmm. my first thought is does this kid actually have the passion for the instrument? Cuz I think a kid that had the passion wouldn't even ask that question. Right. 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 You know. Interesting. I want to turn now to your first major gig as a musician. What was the breakthrough opportunity that let you know that you had officially arrived? Uh, well, there's so many different levels. The first, like when I was 12, I got the opportunity to play a Mozart concerto with the local orchestra in Florence. And at the same time, I was... I was performing in a community theater and I got paid. I was the only person in the cast that got paid because I ran down when I wasn't like acting and singing on the stage and I played violin with the band for one number and they gave me $10 a night for 10 performances. I felt like I was a millionaire. So th those were very formative performances because they happened both when I was 12 and in my mind then i felt like i made it in terms of like making it like having a like a career i mean it's kind of like a constant ebb and flow but and and the the way you would perceive making it is so sort of like beauty is in the eye of the beholder or whatever mm -hmm. it's been a gradual process i mean i've played on tv shows i've played in movies i've performed concertos multiple times i've performed around the world and toured i'm trying to actually think if there was like one defining moment it's kind of interesting being a musician because you're just constantly working on your craft and trying to get better so i think as far as the career thing goes probably like I, I don't know if I have an answer to that, honestly. Yeah, and you know, and you know what, Chris, that's okay because maybe you don't. Maybe your experience is such that it's so it's evolved, and you just kept building and building, and you don't you don't look at it like that. Like that, there's so, there was just this one thing. You know, I will say this though: this performance that I'm doing with the Riverside Philharmonic is, I believe, one of the most exciting things that I've done so far. So. That may be the performance where I feel <laughs> like I've made it because I've composed and performed my music around the world and stuff. But this performance is by far the like in terms of the scope and the vision of the piece that I wrote. I've never spent this much time working on one piece and the amount of energy and passion and love. Well, let's talk a little more about that. The Riverside Philharmonic is celebrating Black History Month with a performance on February 24th featuring the music of African-American composer William Dawson and also the wonderful you because you. of your uh, concerto that you've written. Tell us about Concerto Cinematique. Tell us about your journey 
with that? Yeah, I've been composing for a while and I just love the composing process. And as a violinist, I love being a violinist too. I do a lot of amazing, fun things, but for me as an artist, I realize I have to be the creator. I have to I have to be really channeling again, coming back to the word voice. My voice is when I feel the most fulfilled, when I play my own music, when I write my own music. And I realized that's what I really want to embody for the last however much longer I live. And so I made a decision to really focus on that. And as I was really just, I just was studying a lot of scores. I was really just finding my voice as a composer more and more. It's a constant process, just like developing your skills on an instrument or anything. And I realized one of my dreams for at least a decade has been to write a violin concerto. And after that, I want to write more concertos for other instruments, symphonies, things like that. I'm in talks with someone about possibly doing a piece for organ and choir. So I'm working on that. But right now, like for me, the epitome was a violin concerto. Why playing a concerto as a violinist is kind of seen as like kind of the apex of of violining or whatever like you you go up you're standing in front of an orchestra it's exciting you're the soloist you know it's all these things that are great for your ego like your head gets huge but um i always wanted i thought well you know i've played the concerti of mendelssohn of tchaikovsky i've played you know pieces by ravel and just all these Mozart, all these beautiful pieces that I love, mm-hmm. Bach, Vivaldi, but they're not me, you know? So I really wanted to write something that was me. I wanted to write something that was my voice, that that included not just the vocabulary of classical music, but had jazz elements that had other elements. I named it Concerto Cinematique because I wanted it to have a cinematic feel. I wanted it to be centered around story. And so that was the beginning. And then I I learned a lot about social media and the power of social media because I decided, well, I should document this whole thing. And so I made an announcement on Instagram. If you go on my Instagram at Chris Woods Violin, you can scroll down to last December, December 2022, and you'll see a post of me. I'm holding one of my kids and I'm just like, I'm making an announcement. I'm writing a violin concerto and I hadn't even really started it yet. And then I just started posting like ideas, putting a bunch of stuff in my phone. And and then I started getting like stories just coming into my head. So it's related to two things that I've studied. One is Carl Jung had a process called active imagination where he basically he felt like he was going crazy. He was seeing his patients and they're talking about like hearing voices and stuff. And he was like, okay, here's what you need to do. And then he started hearing voices and he's like, wait a second, what's going on? And so he, he created this, (laughs) he's like, what? And so he started creating this or discovering, however you look at it, this process he called active imagination where he'd sit down and he'd just go into a meditative state and then this story would start revealing itself to him. And that's where he came up with like archetypes and all these things that are kind of in the the common vernacular, like introvert, extrovert, all that stuff. He just would go on these like journeys in his imagination and he'd write it all down. And then the second thing that's similar 
the reverend at my spiritual center, Agape International Spiritual Center, that I've been going to for like 15 years. He has, his name is Michael Bernard Beckwith, and he has this process called life visioning, which is very similar. You meditate, and then instead of visualizing what your future is going to be, you sort of just let spirit or God or however you think of it, the universe to just kind of show you and reveal it to you. So my process of writing this concerto was very similar to those two things. Mm-hmm. So I was, as I was writing the first movement, I started seeing this vision of a hero and, and I started learning about this word called hormesis. So that's what I named the first movement, the hero slash hormesis. Hormesis is this ancient Greek term that is basically what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So basically it's in plants, it's in animals, but they're like, if you eat a, one example of this is if you eat a plant that's been kind of beat up by nature, you're actually going to get more health benefits from it than if you eat something that's been protected its whole life you know Mm. it's really interesting and so that was kind of the concept for the first movement and for my own life all of these movements reflect stuff that's going on in my own life like in terms of uh, the thrust of me really leaning into doing this project and like and the fear that you face so i have a motif in there that i think of as the the fear motif or the unknown motif it goes mm-hmm. ba da 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 it's four notes and that's the pattern and you can hear that throughout the whole concerto mm-hmm. and so it's almost like i'm i'm wrestling with that through the whole time and dancing with it and and you and it sort of infiltrates every aspect of it and kind of ties the piece together so the second movement i got this vision uh, which kind of go ties in really well with the cinematic feel i just got this vision of like a like an old black and white style movie actress that's a ghost and is kind of haunting hollywood and somehow seeing her whole life and kind of the 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 movement is very kind of romantic and beautiful in that older style but then there's like these other like modern sounding dissonances and and a little bit of jazz um mixed with some box stuff i mean there's a, a lot going on in it but the story of it that came to me was like the the idea of reviewing your past and having like these sort of sentimental attachments to things and sort of like not being able to be free of that so i named that movement the ghost slash death of an ego because um, at the end, there's transcendence, forgiveness, like acceptance. The, my whole vision for the whole concerto that it's, it's got all these dramatic elements, but there's always like a happy in- ending. There's always a celebration. And that's what the third movement's all about. The third movement, I just, I was seeing this vision of a slave just escaping a plantation. And so the whole music, the whole time I'm playing fast notes, it's very exciting and, and kind of scary. And then there's like windows of like what it's going to be like to be free in the music. And then, you know, uh, there's a, it's just like constantly building too. And then at the other side of the spectrum, I, there was a different character that came to me, um, uh, the Chevalier de St. George, um, who was a fame, he was like called the Black Mozart. He was this guy. They just made a movie about him somewhat recently. And um, he was just like, he was this amazing violinist virtuoso 
um, that was like in the middle of this whole, like he was in France and he, he kind of worked his way up like the French aristocracy as a musician, but there were all these, you know, social, um, context with that and it was like right i think around when the french revolution happened so there was just like a lot of tumultuous stuff so i was seeing sort of like these two different archetypes i guess you would call them at the same time and that's sort of what inspired that movement and for me what it represented was really claiming your identity claiming your freedom doing whatever it takes to get out of the shackles and really just maximize your fullest potential as a creative artist as a person as a soul that's really powerful that is that is magnificent what do you enjoy most about your association with the riverside philharmonic oh it's just beautiful people man they've all been i mean you know there are two people i want to mention kathy wright and dwight tate there are a couple that they they paid the commission for this so i want to mention them just that there are people in the world that are generous that want to support artists is amazing i want to mention tomas golka the composer or the well he is a composer mm-hmm. and a violinist and the conductor of the riverside philharmonic he's a super talented guy and it's because of him that i'm doing this because he saw one of my posts and that got him interested and he was listening to the music and he really liked it and he called me up and we we did the commission and then i went and i spoke for one of their board meetings a few months ago and it's just like so much love so much great energy i went through and like explained what i had written so far of the concerto and and everybody was super open and and the musicians of the riverside philharmonic they get like the best la musicians that are like studio musicians in the movie scene and all that so i'm super excited because i have like a a fake version of it that i've made but to be able to hear it with that level of of musicality professionalism and tomas golka he's a passionate conductor like he really knows how to get the performance out of the musicians because he really loves it he knows everything about the composers that he's 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 playing the music of and he's just really charismatic energetic intelligent person we happen to be born in the same year and we're both vegan. So I feel like I'm really connected to him. I had the opportunity to chat with Tomas. He's been on this podcast and you can really feel uh, his passion and he's a very skilled and knowledgeable person. And yeah, yeah. It, it really comes through in, in everything that he does. So you are truly a pillar of creativity. You are just gushing with creativity. And, and I love that. Thank you. And uh, Riverside is very fortunate to have you and all the gang. Thank you. We look forward to the performance on the 24th. So thanks for for the time today. Great to chat with you. Thank you. For tickets and more information about the Riverside Philharmonic Black History Month celebration concert on February 24th, visit riversidephilharmonic.org. That's riversidephilharmonic.org. Support for SoCal Voices ensures we can continue to bring you quality content 
There are several ways you can support the podcast. You can visit the Perks section of my fan page for lots of fun options to support the show. Visit the SoCal Voices website to make a financial contribution or get some SoCal Voices merch. If you're a business or company interested in sponsoring SoCal Voices episodes, reach out to me directly. Links in the show notes. Thanks.